فاشرف بي لاشتغالي بالعلم ولا تبغي به ما عشت يا ذا بدلا ويا له من شرف عظيم الإمام ابن أبي العز الحنفي so الإمام الطحاوي رحمه الله and others when they spoke about this issue they mentioned it ولا نكفر أحدا من أهل القبلة بذنب ما لم يستحله we won't make takfir on a person based on a sin that he does as long as he doesn't make it permissible for himself. As long as he doesn't make it halal for himself. Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, what did he say? That a person who is a Muslim, he is not made a kafir because of a sin. Ibn Batta rahimahullah, he said, The scholars are unanimously in agreement. There is no dispute between themselves. أنه لا يكفر أحد من أهل القبلة بذنب ولا نخرجه من الإسلام بمعصية نرجو للمحسن ونخاف على المسيء. They, the scholars are unanimously in agreement and there's no dispute between them. أنه لا يكفر أحد that we don't do takfir on anybody من أهل القبلة from the Muslims بذنب based on a sin that he done ولا نخرجه and we don't take him out of من الإسلام بمعصية we don't take him out of the fold of Islam based on a sin. نَرْجُوا لِلْمُحْسِنِينَ The good du'a, we hope good for him. وَنَخَافُ عَلَى الْمُسِيءِ And we fear for the criminal. These are some of the statements of the Salaf, هذه الأمة. فضيل معياض, he said, I heard Sufyan al-Thawri, رحمه الله, say, مَنْ صَلَّى إِلَى هَذِهِ الْقِبْلَةِ فَهُوَ عِنْدَنَا مُؤْمِنٌ Sufyan al-Thawri said, Anybody who pray, prays towards our Qibla, He's a mu'min to us. والناس عندنا مؤمنون And the people to us are mu'minun بالإقرار وبالمواريث والمناكحة When it comes to affirmation and when it comes to inheritance and when it comes to marriage والحدود When it comes to capital punishments When it comes to ذبائح their slaughters When it comes to the nusuk وَلَهُمْ ذُنُوبٌ وَخَطَايَا And the people have sins and shortcomings. اللَّهُ حَسِيبُهُمْ Allah is going to judge them. إِنْ شَاعَذَّبَهُمْ If he wishes, he punishes them. وَإِنْ شَاعَغَفَرَ لَهُمْ If Allah wishes, he forgives them. وَلَا نَدْرِ مَا هُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And we don't know what these people are with Allah. We don't know. If a person comes up to me, says, Salaamu alaykum to me. He prays in the masjid with me. I believe he's a Muslim. He could be a munafiq. That's between him and Allah. That's for me. I'm judging you by the zahir. I'm judging you from the apparent. You pray towards our qibla. You're from amongst us. You're a Muslim. If this man comes to ask for my daughter in hand, I will just look at his piety. Okay? I will judge him from the apparent and what it seems to me. So Ahl al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, what is it that they all agree? By consent. Ijma'ah, Ahl al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they all agree the ruling of the murtakib al-kabira and how he's dealt with in this world and what he is in this world but what they did differ on is what, what how do we express his name the ruling is a muslim but what do we call him he's a muslim he's not a kafir but how do we address him there's a khilaf that came there's a khilaf ibn rajab rahimahullah in his kitab jami' ulum al-hikam he says waqad ikhtalafa ahl al-sunnati ahl al-sunnah differed هل يسمى مؤمنا ناقص الإيمان أو يقال ليس بمؤمن لكنه مسلم على قولين وهما روايتان عن أحمد 
Should we, he said, Ahl Sunnah differed. Hal yusamma mu'minan, naqisul iman. Should we call him mu'min, weak, weak iman? So he said, oh, he's a mu'min, his iman is weak, or deficient. Or should we say, no, he's not a mu'min, he's a Muslim. Which of those should we say? And these are two statements that Imam Ahmad rahimahullah transmitted. So Ibn Rajab only mentioned two of the statements. Rather, the summary is that Ahl al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they differed when it came to the naming of the one who does major sin in three views, I mean, three state statements. Some of them they call him Muslim. They say Muslim. Some of them they call him Mu'min, Naqisul Iman, Mu'min whose Iman is deficient. And the third one is some of them just call him Mu'min. They just call him Mu'min. And all of these differences, we is 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 all differences that are min qabil al-ikhtilaf al-lafzi. It's just different wordings. No one here is saying he's a kafir. All of them believe he's a Muslim. It's just how should he be addressed? How should he be addressed? Or how should be he, he how should he be referred to? All of them here are in agreement that this person has Aslul Iman. There's no dispute. But why did the khilaf come? What did we say Iman is broken into? Three. Aslul Imani, Kamaluhul Wajib, Kamaluhul Mustahab, right? They said, if you say he's a mu'min, because you use the word mu'min, it encompasses kamaluhul mustahab. So it entails that this person has got aslul iman, kamaluhul wajib, kamaluhul mustahab. He's even come with a voluntary when you call him mu'min. It's a problem. And he hasn't. He's having deficiency with the wajibat. Forget the mustahabat. Okay? They said, that is why we won't refer to him as a mu'min. So what are you going to call him? They broke into two groups. Uh, sorry, they broke into two groups. One group said Muslim. That's the, the religion is this. You're a muhsin, which is the highest level. You're a mu'min, which is the second level after. And you are a Muslim. So if you drop from ihsan, you drop to iman. You're a mu'min. If you drop from iman and mu'min, you drop to Islam. So he's dropped to Islam now. He's a Muslim. Okay, that group went, okay, you stand on the right. What about you? The other group, they said, no. Because he has Asl al-Iman. Asl al-Iman is there. Why are we going to take the name fully from him? Because if you take the name fully from him, what's going to happen? It's going to make us seem that we're not giving him Asl al-Iman. So we're going to give him Asl al-Iman. But we're going to say, Mu'min Naqis al-Iman. He's a Mu'min because he's got Asl al-Iman. But Naqis because he's got, he's got the wajibat missing from him. That's the two views again. The other group, the third group, they said, Allah Mu'min. As long as he's got Aslul Iman in him, he's a mu'min, we give him the title like that. And of course here we mean his naqas, no doubt. We're not saying he's Kamilul Iman. No, not in any way, form or shape. So the khilaf here is what? It's a khilaf. Lafdi, the wordings are just different. But the reality is that they all agree that this person is still a Muslim. And he's still a mu'min, naqisul Iman. A mu'min who's naqisul Iman. Or they all agree that this person has Aslul Iman, the Asl of the Iman. So each and every one of them will pray Janaz on him. And each and every one of them will send forgiveness for him. They will eat his slaughtering. They would, they would, they would, they would. Number two, point number two now. Which is, what's the ruling? What does Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe? 
regarding the person who comes with major sin in the hereafter. Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe the person who comes with a major sin in the hereafter is under Allah's will. If Allah wills, He punishes him based on His justice. And if Allah wills, He forgives him based on His mercy and His virtue. ولذلك الإمام الطحاوي رحمه الله ودري سينز عقيدة he says وأهل الكبائر من أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم في النار لا يخلدون إذا ماتوا وهم موحدون وإن لم يكونوا تائبين وإن لم يكونوا تائبين بعد أن لقوا أن لقوا الله عارفين وهم في مشيئة الله وحكمه إن شاء غفر لهم وإن شاء عفى عنهم بفضله كما ذكر في كتابه ويغفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء وإن شاء عذبهم في النار بعدله ثم يخرجهم منها برحمته وشفاعة الشافعين من أهل طاعته ثم بعثهم إلى جنته وذلك بأن الله تعالى تولى أهل معرفته ولم يجعلهم في الدارين كأهل نك كأهل كأهل نكرته. هي هي says and the people commit major sins from the ummah of Muhammad they enter the hellfire. These are the people of ummah Muhammad who commit major sin who are in the hellfire. They are, not got, they are not kept in there forever. So the, 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 the ones who come with major sin are not in the hellfire forever. The believers, the Muslims. If they die as upon, if they die with Tawheed. And if they're not repenting from what they did. They haven't repented. So they met Allah with sins. After they met Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're under Allah's will. If Allah wishes, He punishes them. And if He wishes, He forgives them. ولذلك الإمام الصابوني also said the same. ويعتقد أهل السنة أن المؤمن إذا أذنب ذنوبا كثيرة صغائرة وكبائرة فإنه لا يكفر بها وإن خرج عن الدنيا غير تائب منها ومات على التوحيد والإخلاص فإن أمره إلى الله عز وجل إن شاء عفى عنه وأدخله الجنة يوم القيامة سالما غانما غير مبتلا بالنار ولا معاقبا على ما ارتكبه واكتسبه ثم استصحبه إلى يوم القيامة من الآتام والأوزار وإن شاء عقبه وعذبه مدة بعذاب النار وعذبه لم يخلد فيها بل أعتقه وأخرجه منها إلى نعيم دار القرار He says the same thing عقيدة السلف وأصحاب الحديث الإمام الصابوني That that person is what? He is as أهل السنة والجماعة بليم أن المؤمن إذا أذنب ذنوبا If the person commits sins many whether it be minor or major. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَكْفُرُ بِهَا He's not a disbeliever based on that. وَإِنْ خَرَجَ عَنِ الدُّنْيَا Even if he leaves this world and he never repents. And he dies upon Tawheed and Ikhlas. He has to die with Tawheed and Ikhlas. Okay? فَإِنَّ أَمْرَهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ His matters are with Allah. إِنْ شَاعَفَ عَنُهُ If Allah wishes, He forgives him. وَأَدْخَلَهُ الْجَنَّةِ And Allah places him to Jannah. The day of judgment. And he saves him from the hellfire. Okay? And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes, He punishes him. And He punishes him for a period of time in the hellfire. But then He doesn't even He doesn't stay in the hellfire forever, even at that time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will finally take him to Jannah. From those statements that I transmitted from the Aqidu Ahli Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding the major sin, we take the following points from it. Point number one. This is the summary of the statements of these A'idman. Point number one. And Nasahib al-Kabira, the person who comes with major sin, the day of judgment is under Allah's will. If Allah wishes, He punishes him. And if Allah wishes, He forgives him. Number two, the person who comes with major sin, 
he is deserving of punishment and he's deserving of entering the hellfire. He deserves that due to his sins. Number three, the person who comes with major sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters him into the hellfire, but he doesn't stay there forever. Number four, the punishment of the person who comes with major sin in the hellfire is not like the punishment of the disbelievers. The Muslim criminal who enters the hellfire, his punishment is not like the punishment of the disbelievers. Number five, the person who comes with major sin, his final abode is Jannah after a period of punishment he may endure he may endure so this is me talking about it in terms of a general unrestricted explanation okay all of these points are generally speaking okay it's not individually individually these rulings these points can change from person to person we all know the famous hadith that Anas ibn Malik narrated in Sahihain, Bukhari and Muslim, that the Prophet said, Yahruju min anari man kala la ilallah fi kalbi wasnu shairatin min khayrin, wa yahruju min anari man kala la ilallah fi kalbi wasnu burratin min khayrin, wa yahruju min anari man kala la ilallah fi kalbi wasnu jarratin min khayrin. These types of people who have mustard seed, who have a small amount of faith in their hearts, they will be taken out of the hellfire and they will all be taken to paradise finally. Where did Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah What's the foundation? This is point number three now. The foundation in which they built their madhab on, Ahlul Sunnah. When it came to the ruling of the person who comes with major sin. And how does Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah How does Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah deal with all of the verses that are warnings and the verses that are promises? Because what's getting all of the other groups is the Murji'ah, they took the verses that promised and they, disma uh, uh, they turned a blind, blind eye towards the verses that are warning. Okay, so they only took the, the promises. And we have the Khawarij that took only the verses that talk about destruction and warning and threats. Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, how do they deal with both those texts? It's important. Because the Quran has promises that it gives that the good people are going to get. And it also talks about warning and threats, threatens people. So how does Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah deal with this? Well, one of the arguments that Ahlul Bid'ah push forward, like the Khawarij is, you guys are saying Allah is a liar. And we say, why? They say, Allah is saying subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is saying subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's going to destroy these people and he's going to take them to the hellfire and he's going to burn them. And you guys are coming and saying he's not. He's going to take them to paradise. So you're telling us Allah made a promise that he's going to do this to these people. And when it comes the day of judgment, Allah is going to break his promise. You're attributing to Allah lies. Does that make sense? So Al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they made a mabahith in the book Qutb al-Aqeedah. In the books of Aqeedah to tackle this issue of Al-Wa'ad wal-Wa'id. Promises. And they made it one of the usul in which their religion stands on. One of the usul in which the Aqeedah Ahl Sunnah stands on, which is the verses that have promises and the verses which have warnings. How do we deal with them? And this is what we're going to talk about, inshallah ta'ala. 
But before we talk about that, we need to talk about what is the asal Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah built their belief on when it came to the issue of Murtakib al Kabira, the one who does major sin. Um, the asal Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah built it on is Ithbatu Tab'iri fi Musamma al Imani wa Hukmihi. This is the underlining point. Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe that the Iman can be broken. Sometimes. Part of Iman can be with you and part can be missing from you. And then Iman يتبعض, that the Iman is ولذلك الشيخ الإسلام تيمي said وَأَمَّا أَئِمَّةُ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ فَعَلَى إِثْبَاتِ التَّبْعِيضِ فِي الْإِسْمِ وَالْحُكْمِ فَيَكُونُ مَعَ الرَّجُلِ بَعْضُ الْإِيمَانِ لَا كُلُّهُ وَيَثْبُتُ لَهُ حُكْمُ الْإِيمَانِ وَثَوَابُ بِحَسَبِ مَا مَعَهُ كَمَا يَثْبُتُ لَهُ الْعِقَابُ بِحَسَبِ مَا Part of affirming tab'id of al-ismi wal-hukmi that the name and also the ruling, both of them, that something called tab'id can happen. Tab'id, we already spoke about it, right? That if the iman is not one component, it's either there is absent, no, no. Al-Sunnah believe it breaks, it breaks. Fah, aslul iman, kamaluhu al-wajib, kamaluhu al-mustahab. So, faqyakunu ma'arrajuli, we believe a person can have what? It can be with a man. Ba'dul Imani, some sins. Sorry, Iman. Iman is with him. Some of Iman is with him. Not all of it. We believe that. The Khawarij believe la. All of Iman is with him. The Murji'a believe all of Iman is with him. If all of it is not with him, he's a kafir. Are you with me? They don't believe some this concept that there's your Iman is 20% or your Iman is 50% or your Iman is 90%. Your Iman can't. It has to be 100% basically. Are you with me? Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe that. That's one of the, the that's the asal of why Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah uh, are not having this issue. Well, that Sheikh Al-Islam Taymiyyah says, وَأَصْلُهُمْ أَنَّ الْإِمَانَ يَتَبَعَضُ فَيَذْهَبُ بَعْضُهُ وَيَبْقَى بَعْضُ كَمَا فِي قَوْلِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يخرج من النار من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من إيمان ولهذا مذهبهم أن الإيمان يتفاضل ويتبعض هذا مذهب مالك والشافعي وأحمد وغيرهم Asal of the issue is and the iman some of it goes, some of it remains. Like it's in the hadith. النار, a people be taken out of the hellfire who have faith and belief in their hearts. These people went into the hellfire because some of Iman was missing from them. But they're now going to Jannah because they've got some of Iman with them. Okay? Iman is of ranks. People are not the same. Okay, and the iman is broken into parts. This is what they believe, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. How about when it comes to the other issue we were talking about, which is Mawqifuhum min al Wa'id wal Wa'id? Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, when it comes to the promises and the warnings. Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe in the promises and the warnings. Every textual evidence that have come that gives promises, they believe in it. They also believe in every textual evidence that has come that speaks about threatening and also promises. And also, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah justly and correctly they place those rulings of the promises and the warnings in its right places. Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah don't make a general ruling like that. They don't take a general, general promise and they don't place it on a particular individual. They also don't take a general what? 
can you take the uh, hadith that talk about shuhada and the martyrs and say this person is a shaheed and you give him all the ahkam of shahada? We don't. Just like we don't do those nusus that are warnings, we don't place it on one particular individual that are general. Okay, al sunnah wal jama'ah don't do that. Until what? Until the conditions are present. There are conditions that they stipulate for them to place on this particular individual. And this is something we're going to be speaking about later. The issue of takfirul mutlaq and takfirul mu'ayyan. The takfir which is general, that you read a hadith where basically you see a person, you know, tariq al-salah for instance, we all believe here is kufr akbar. But then we come across Zayd or Bakr or Amr. Or we might come across Safiya or Khadija or Amina, who doesn't pray. Can you now take that hadith that come for regarding the person who left the prayer and say, Safiya, you're a kafirah. Or you go to Zayd and you say, Zayd, you're a kafir because you don't pray. Can you do that? And what's the, what's the reality to this situation? We're going to come to, inshaAllah. But right now, Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, these nusus, they take it. And they're the only people, Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, who don't take part of the Qur'an and leave the other part. Ahlul Bid'ah, wherever you find them, they'll take what's for them and they leave what's against them. Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah min mizatihim, from the unique things that they have is yadkuruna ma lahum wa ma alihim. They will always mention what's for them and what's against them. You, you see that. Ahlul Bid'ah, on the other hand, only thing that they take is what's for them. Huh? Only thing that they take is what? What's for them? Uh, pay attention to this. Are you there? You have ayat in the Quran which are clear, مثلاً. Ayat in the Quran which clearly say a matter. This person would turn a blind eye to all of those nusus and he would find one evidence that he could somehow use in his advantage and he'll stick to that. You now should know that this person is sick-hearted. He's marad. It's a cancer what's in your heart. You've got a problem here. Yeah? Are you with me? But you turn away from all of those nusus. You turn away from all of those points. And you want to take one evidence here or there. Not even it's in its right context. Are you with me? Does that make sense? For example, what's the qamawqif of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah regarding how we deal with the innovators? Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah don't work with innovators. That's their belief, Ahl-Sunnah. Ijma'at have been transmitted from Ahl-Sunnah. Scholars have transmitted consents, consents. Ayat, not one, not two, not three. Ayat have come regarding this. Ahadith, hadith wa la haraj. Books of Aqeedah are full of that. Then you see a person turn away from all of those ijma' consents. And what does he do? He comes to you and says, where all of those people who brought those consensus, all of those ayats that I read for you, all of that, you just want to turn against it just because you've got one ayah which you haven't even understood properly. Because even that ayah will explain what it is. But doesn't that worry you from the get-go that there's something, something problematic here? I've given you four or five ayat. I've told you the ijma' of the sahabas, the ijma' of the ummah are connected in this way. Are you with me? And then you say to me, but I have one ayah. This is exactly what Allah means in the Quran. Whoever 
فيتبعون ما تشابه منه ابتغاء الفتنة وابتغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله إلا الله والراسخون في العلم يقولون آمنا كل آمنا به كل من عند ربنا وما يذكر إلا أولو الألباب you find that he doesn't want to hear that verse next verse no next one next one next one next one and then he will finally see one verse that has something in it that he can use he will use that verse and all of the ayat which are muhkam and clear cut, he will turn a blind eye to it. He will run from all of those ayat and the mawaqif of the salaf and the aqwal of the salaf and the ijma'at that the salaf have transmitted and he would use um, the hilful fudul. This is marad. This is sickness. It's an illness in the heart. But a person needs to... And these are the kind of things that bring about hypocrisy and nifaq into, into a person. Because the, 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 the reality of a Muslim is that when one evidence is given to you, it should suffice you. It should be, okay, Jazakallah khairan. I stop there. Albani rahimullah used to say, if one evidence doesn't silence a person and doesn't convince them, a thousand will not. If you tell somebody one dalil, one evidence, and they don't listen to you, and they say, okay, you know what? You know, you need to know this person is sick. If a person comes up to you and says to you, Ya Akhi, I just want you to bring me a verse. Pay attention to this. I want you to bring me a verse that exactly says what you're talking about. Say, you know, this person is never going to take it, even if an ayah was found like that. You know why? They're just like those who the Prophet ﷺ and the, Prophet, the other previous prophets who said, split the moon, do this, do that, we will believe in you. Everything was done, they never followed it. Are you with me? If somebody comes up to you and says to me, I want in a clear-cut ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you have to let your beard grow. Or I want in a clear-cut ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says you cannot have your trousers below your ankles. Clear-cut. Okay? Give it to me. You need now, you know, you just, by the default, from the get-go, you just need to know that this individual, this individual is not willing to take it. This is in Babylon. And that's stubbornness and hard-headedness. doesn't want to take it. Are you with me? So this needs to be understood, ya ikhwah. And all of these I'm mentioning, these points I'm mentioning, it's, it's a reality that you see when you read the Qur'an and you look at the seerah and you read the, uh, the kuffar and how they dealt with their prophets and the question that they asked, what Nabiullah Salih, what did they say to him? Bring out this naqa for us. We're going to believe in you. This is how it needs to look. This is how it needs to be for us. Sahih. فَعَقَرُ naqa. They cut the... the, the the leg of the, uh, um, the heel or of the camel, the she camel. Nabi Allah Muhammad, they said to him, do this for us, do this for us, do this for us, do this for us, conditions. But if those conditions were given to them, would they have followed it? They wouldn't have.